Everything costs something. This is Opportunity Cost. Today's Opportunity Cost is a conversation with The Astronomers, a music duo based out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, who've recently seen a massive jump in popularity. In fact, on Spotify alone, their music is drawing in nearly 1 million unique monthly listeners, and just after the recording of this podcast, they hit the road to start their nationwide Looking Forward tour. Absolutely check out the links in the description to hear their music and also buy tickets to see them perform live. If you would like to support Opportunity Cost, all that we ask is that you like and subscribe to our content and maybe share it with a friend who will enjoy it as well. Without further ado, here are the astronomers. To kind of kick it off, though, can you talk a little bit about who are the astronomers? Like, who are you guys? What do you do? And just dive into there. Yeah, we uh, we formed in 2019. Um, we're, we're a music duo based in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Started it in, uh, in our dorm room in Oshkosh. Uh, set, you know, bunked our beds, set up the studio, and, you know, we make alternative pop music. We've had a few songs on the radio up in Green Bay, has done pretty well. Um, anything else to add to that? Or kind of broad. No, yeah. yeah. Were you guys huge into music? I'm assuming you've always liked music, right? But were you into wanting to be a musician prior to kind of being in that position at Oshkosh? Uh, it wasn't. Oh, we, I don't think it was, I, we just said this in another podcast, it's not really like we grew up, you know, right from the start, sure. wanting to be touring musicians, um, which it's one of those like career paths, though, where you, most people think like, oh, they've probably been doing this since they were four years old, they've been singing, blah, blah, blah. I didn't join choir until I was 16, Yeah. and I'm the singer of the group, and I didn't start writing music until I was 18. And so it's been a very short span of our lives that we've really thought of pursuing this as a career. But when Ben and I both um, got to college, we were going to different schools. I was going to the University of Oshkosh and he was going to Platteville. And, you know, we went a whole semester of not even talking. And it was, it's so weird to think about that now because now here we are five years later and we see each other every day. We're making music. We started making music over FaceTime. And so it's not like we have been, you know, making music since we were eight years old. It's sure. been yeah. the last four years. Wait, and so did you guys knew each other then prior to college, like childhood friend type of thing? Yeah, we met in jazz band in oh, seventh, nice. seventh grade. grade so yeah. like 11, 12 years old. Okay. So, yeah. How did, how did the Zoom, like... You said you started making music via Zoom, which is kind of not what I was envisioning. I was kind of envisioning yeah. two guys sitting on a couch, beers in hand, yeah. being like, dude, you want to make a song? Yeah. Oh but that, it sounds like that's sort of how it was. But how do you do that remotely? I think the way we were able to do it so well is we had, like, the biggest dreams for it. Like, okay. we would watch our favorite artists, so, like, AJR, the Chainsmokers, go on these, like, tours. They'd always post, like, a recap video of, like, their tours. And we're like, oh, someday we're going to do that can't wait to do that and so we would after he asked me to be in the group we'd get on facetime calls like every night and i'd either show him what i've been writing or he'd show me his productions and then we'd somehow try to send over like a wave file that i could write to and then he'd have to try to make time to drive up all the way to oshkosh to find studio time um luckily that was only for three months okay and then the summer hit and we had my parents spare bedroom that we made song after song after song in Wallace trying to get Ben to transfer to Oshkosh like last <laughs> yeah. minute. 
which ended up being like the hardest thing in the world because it's like June and he's trying to enroll into these classes for fall. It was, I think it was July. July, it was yeah, like really... it was last minute. And luckily I didn't open the spot because the person who was supposed to room with me was transferring too. Mm-hmm. So we had an open spot in my room and it was just like all the stars aligned, like we were able to make it work, so. Are you guys still in school right now? Nope, I graduated I, last yeah. year. Okay, I was going to ask, are you, I was saying, are you graduates or are you official drop dropout <laughs> musicians? All right, no, that's awesome. Finished, I, mean, yeah. I, actually, I think that's great. I think, you know, you hear a lot of these stories about people who are in school when they either start a business, pursue music, whatever, and they tend to be these dropout stories. I actually think it's really great to not do that. And it's not not that I think, like, you need the degree necessarily to, like, fall back on if music doesn't work out. It's more so you're already there. You've committed the time, energy, money, whatever. Right. If you can make both work for a short period of time, yeah. you always have that now, right? And I'm sure, I, I guess I don't know what you studied, but I would imagine that experience did help you on, like, the business side of being a musician. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, I got a business degree, so it's, okay. like... I definitely learned a little bit, like, about accounting and stuff. Sure. Uh, but honestly, for, like, the music business and music industry, like, I think you just learn the most just by doing it and just, like, just go and just figure it out as you go. Yeah, because... and I guess for the record, I hope that someday you can rip that shit up on stage and be like, I didn't need this anyway, who cares? <laughs> right. But I'm just saying it's it's nice to hear a story where it's not, hey, we had to drop out of this thing that could be a backup, right? It was like, yeah. look, we did both, and now yeah. we're still pursuing the thing that we yeah, wanted exactly. to. I think that's a really healthy, like, moderation balance that people don't see often. It's usually either one extreme or the other. Yeah, shows we're, commitment. We're both really happy right. that we got our yeah. degrees. Like, it, it kind of shows that, like, we, I stuck with it an extra year after he graduated while things were starting to take off. And it shows that when things get hard or busy or more strenuous, it's we're not going to just quit. Sure. Even Plus, like, was it so. sweet being a musician on campus? Did people start, like, <laughs> noticing a little bit? Oh, my yeah. gosh. It was That was the one spot where, like, I mean, obviously all my friends that would go to the school would always, like, talk about it all the time but even like people I didn't know mm. would just constantly say hi or like recognize us and stuff from that and yeah. I, so I during mean, class one time I like I always had my laptop open like doing just working on music stuff while like lectures going on or whatever and I had uh, our Spotify pulled up at the time I think we had like 30,000 listeners and this guy in my class walked past my laptop and saw the screen the astronomers he's like Oh, you listen to them too? He's like, you know, they used to go here. I'm like, thanks. Like, That's me. Yeah, I still go here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Was that was that one of like the craziest kind of fan interaction you've had so far, would you say? Uh gosh. No, there's I don't there's even been... want to sound like conceited or anything. Dude, like, it's not it conceited. Let lot. me just for the people listening to this who don't know you, because I'm sure there's gonna be a lot, because I don't and I don't mean that they don't know you because of you. I mean right. that I don't know that our audiences really overlap right. yet. Right. That for being sure. said, so for people listening to this, these guys are getting over 800,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And we talk about this a lot on this show. Those are actual verifiable listeners. Those are real people who are logging onto their phone and or computer and listening to their music. You can't buy those. Um, Jake's over there laughing. This is a running theme that we talk about with regard to presenting yourself online and the realities of what that is. But um you guys have a lot of listeners. I mean, and so it is not conceded to say, like, oh, we have fan interactions. I'm sure you do. I've had yeah. random people mention my show to me before who I was like, oh, wow, I'm shocked you listened to this. And I get, like, 
a few hundred listens per episode. I think the most listened to one ever got like close to a thousand across all platforms. Yeah. That's like one eight hundredth of what we're talking about here. So don't feel bad about that. Um, but I'd love to hear like about those fan interactions. What was that you like? Tell, like you, guys should, one. you guys should talk about the the groupies, like the the fan. Do you pages have groupies? Do you wait? Do you even the fan pages? Yeah. Oh man. Okay, let's unpack. This. One of them. One of them is our manager. There is a lot that are not, but there's one that is our manager, and it's the funniest thing because he'll like comment under it, and like as the fan page. Yeah, okay. It's like <laughs> astronomers fan club. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, there is some other like I Basic don't even astronomers know. Yeah, fan. we have this one huge fan, um, who's been to a couple of our shows now when we play in Ohio, and oh my gosh, they have probably bought every single piece of merch that we've ever put out. That's huge. And it's it's straight up an Instagram page for the astronomers. Like it's like her daily life, but only the astronomers parts of that life. Whoa. So it's like That's crazy. Yeah, so like I didn't know what shirt to wear today, so I just decided to go with the sweatshirt or it'll be like I open her, my like, closet and it's all astronomers yeah, shirts and like, sweaters and wow. Fan art, you know, like drawing. Really talented artists. You know what though? It's what's so interesting to me about that is I in other times I've spoken with like different types of artists, whether it's musicians or whatever, a lot of people's message is typically, well, I want my music or my art or whatever to have a positive impact, even if it's just on one person. You know who that one person is. Yeah, right. There's probably, there are others, I'm sure. But like, you yeah. have that person. You can always look back on your music now and be like, <laughs> I made that person's life better, which is, yeah. that's super cool. And you know? she'll probably hear this and then be like, oh, my gosh, we're talking about it. We're talking about <laughs> hey, you, if you do find this, you can be the first merch wearer for Opportunity Cost. I will, I will send go. it to you. Let me know where there to send go. it. Oh, there you go. Um, no, that's, that's really interesting, though, and, and something that not a lot of people get to experience. So I would love to hear more just about that and, like, how it's developed over time and, and dealing with it in person, online. How are those things different? We should tell the, the grocery store. That's probably the craziest fan interaction story we've, we've I had. I don't even know. I think it's just more so it's happening more often. Yeah. Okay. Because we could talk about one story over the other. We could talk about this, that, the other thing. But it happens now, like, I'm not on edge or anything, but, like, when we're out in public, I'm not – not thinking it's going to happen. Especially around here, I would imagine. Especially yeah. in the Wisconsin area. But, like, you know, for a long time, I worked at Target, too, and it would happen every shift. Wow, like, okay. I'd be working there <laughs> yeah. for an eight-hour day, and it would happen at least once a shift. And it's all ages. It's not one or the other because, you know, we have a great radio fan base, so everyone listens to the radio. But it'll be just, you know, people will be, like, on their phones looking at me like, that's him. We were just at, <laughs> we were just at a concert on Friday, one of our favorite artists, and it happened six times, six different people. That's yeah. so cool. It's it's cool as a fan of somebody when that happens too. Um, I had so I used to live in New York City. I well, you know, obviously moved back. I grew up here, moved out there, and then moved back. But okay. um, I had a few crazy interactions while I was out there, and one of them was I think I, Jake, I've told you about this before. I ran into G Easy on the street while listening to G Easy. Oh, wow. it was so weird. I was we listening. Like, and, yes, literally. Yeah, I was walking <laughs> to my buddy's house. We were in Hell's Kitchen, which is a neighborhood that's just like northwest of um, Times Square. He was leaving with whoever he was dating at the time. They were they were leaving the um, Harry Potter Broadway show, and they like ducked out the back door. And I saw him from pretty far away, and it didn't hit me right away that that's who it was. But I kind of like looked at him, and I was like. 
I like I know that guy, you yeah, know, yeah. and I got closer, and he has this like tattoo behind his ear that's like pretty that's, recognizable, yeah. and I saw it, and so I was like, holy shit, that's him, and so I kind of like walked around them and turned my head, and I was like, whoa, and we like got a picture together and stuff, but that was crazy. That was <laughs> so, and so on a local level, like that's what yeah. these people are feeling, which is super cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about, you'd mentioned influences to your music before, and you actually mentioned the Chainsmokers by name, which is funny to me because that was one of the first things I thought of when I, when I heard your music. Not that it's like exactly the same, I would call it adjacent, but uh, so Skywalking, for example, is so far my favorite song of oh, yours, great. and it is partially because I'm a huge Star Wars fan, um, and there's some really great references in the song. Yeah. But all I could think initially when listening to it was, wow, this sounds like something that like the Chainsmokers may have put out when they were putting out things like Paris. And um, that was the first one that came to mind for some reason. Yeah. But it, are there other influences that you've had in kind of finding your sound? Well, over the um, pandemic, we really were able to take that time off to figure out what sound we wanted to continually, continuously put out. Um, because we started making a lot of stuff that was very EDM sounding, mm -hmm. you know, that typical synth drop verse chorus stuff. And um, we wanted to get away from that and, and start to create what we really wanted to create. And those were the songs like Overthinking. Mm -hmm. So like we made Overthinking in 2020 during that time. And um, we knew after making that, that that was going to be a sound that we wanted to like keep going with. Had a great reaction from people. It was that AJR, John Bellion sound, Quinn 92, that we really liked. Sure. And we were able to kind of capitalize off that sound and keep making those types of things. Was was there anything that you kind of, you know, took those influences and then tweaked to really make it your own? Yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I think both from a writing and production standpoint, we've kind of found our sound through, like, inspiration, but also, like, exploration like for example for production i think once i got rid of the the idea that there's a real way to do something i got a lot better at production so like i'll be in the basement and i'll just try random things where i'm like let's throw this plug in on here automate it then throw this plug in on here turn the volume down that's a crazy sound like it's it's weird you know but like it works like figuring out like how to I mean, you can really make any sound work with like enough processing and, and you know, crazy manipulations and stuff. So uh, just kind of exploring like different possibilities with sound, um, you know, really big attention to detail too. Uh, it kind of turned into like our sound. What are you using right now to make it using like Ableton Live, Logic Pro? I Logic guess for Pro. people who want to make their own music. Yeah, That's Logic. what you're using, okay. Yeah. And then MacBook doing it kind of on oh, yeah. Pro, mini yeah. controllers, that type of thing. Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. No, that's awesome. And I think that's helpful for people who maybe like want to get into making music. I remember uh, back, this was probably like 2014, I saw a video talking about Skrillex when he first made his big come up. Yeah. Most of his music was made on Ableton Live, a MacBook Pro, and a, um, a M Audio trigger finger, which was like a super yeah. rudimentary MIDI controller at the time. And like, that's how he made all of those huge songs, like Scary Monsters, Nice Sprites, all that stuff. We still really don't have much gear at all. Like, this is something I try to, like, preach in every, like, interview or podcast is, like, don't go out and, like, spend a ton of money on gear or anything. Like, all you need is a laptop, uh, you know, a shitty interface and uh, a cheap mic. 
and you can make hits that get on the radio. Yeah, just start just start creating. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people get hung up on that with any type of creative, not even creative, just starting something for themselves. I think a lot of people get hung up on, like, do I have the right equipment? Do I have the right, you know, camera software, whatever, but then they don't focus on the content itself, and that's that's oh the gosh. part, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, what about uh, just the creative process? Can you walk through the process of creating a new song? Like, are you writing the lyrics first? Are you coming up with the music first? A little bit of both. Um, so for the last year and a half now, probably longer than that, it's been I've sat down at the computer usually first or I'll sit in my apartment with a guitar or piano, whatever it is, and I'll start like the bare bone structure of the song. I can't get very far personally um, with getting stuff to sound like super quality, but I can get enough down on Logic Pro, like demo-wise, where Ben's able to come in and really get it the way we're supposed to get it. Um, but yeah, I'm usually finding loops or creating my own stuff and um, writing over that. And sometimes I'll have a song written in like 20 minutes and then I'll get the demo done and show it to Ben. And if he loves it, we'll keep going with it and finish it. And that's yeah. that's how it's been. It, honestly, for me, like, I think in the beginning, we used to, like, I would, like, make a production, show it to him. He'd write to it. But now we start with the song. And then, like, if I'm really inspired by the song he writes, then we'll take it, like, over the finish line and, like, get it done. Do you two ever disagree? Has there ever been anything where you're like, hey... <laughs> I hate this song, or hey, you know, uh, it sounds like shit, whatever. Yeah, there, yeah, there, there's definitely disagreements. We're really good at compromising, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put yeah. it. Sometimes if, like, I'm in, if he's in favor of something more, if I am, I'll kind of be like, all right, we can do that, but let's just make sure this happens at least. Sure. So yeah. it's like, because we, that's the thing about being a duo. It's like, you might have, like, I might create so much of the song, and then it's like, I leave, and, and he's like, okay, I'm going to work on this tonight. And I'll be like, okay, well, I just, like, really want it to be like this. He's like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll work on it. And then if you like it, you like it. And I usually end up yeah. liking it. So. Just like this last one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one yeah. like, a week right. or two ago, you're like, don't work on it for, like, three days until I come back because I have, like, all the ideas. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to work on it. I'll just make, like, <laughs> a new, like, I'll make an, it's called an alt, like an yeah, alternative yeah. file. And then I stayed up till 4 a.m. and really got it going and then sent it to him. He's like, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Usually how it goes. Yeah. yeah. And so I was just thinking, I think a duo works really well for that. I, I would imagine that like larger bands struggle with that more because it's just more opinions. Like it's a lot easier to come to a consensus with two people. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to use a third person and now it's like two on one, right? Someone mm -hmm. always leaves not happy. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. Uh, I can't imagine those bands that have like six, seven people. Oh, yeah. And if they're like all part of the creative process. I, I, I don't think... That's why you see so many people break up. I, yeah. Oh, totally. I always think it's interesting, too. I haven't gotten to interview, like, a full, large band yet. I would love to. Yeah. And I would love to interview a bunch of them because I always <clears throat> wonder, like, if it's, you know, let's just take, like, a standard rock band, right? Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, the front person, front man, front woman, whoever, is kind of like the face of the group. But I would imagine more often than not, they're not necessarily the face of the music and what's going on in the background. Yeah. And I always wonder about those dynamics. Like, yeah. who who's really writing this? Oh, yeah. Who's who's dictating what? Sometimes maybe it is, you know, like a, a good example is I, uh, I like metalcore music a lot. Um, and so a group like... Jesus, he hates it. 
He's like, he'd rather <laughs> die than listen to some of the groups I listen to. Like, like some of my favorite bands are like the Amity Affliction, Sleep Token, who you maybe haven't heard of. Um, but uh, there's a group called Falling in Reverse that's pretty well known. This guy named Ronnie Radke is their front man. He really is like a calls all of the shots and like, to my knowledge, has like kicked people off because yeah. like yeah. they don't agree with him. So there are there is some of that, but like you guys don't really run into that, I would imagine. No, yeah, because we're basically creating the songs and, um, you know. it's Yeah, it's a really good, like, I mean, we always kind of say this, especially when we're starting out. For me, like, I didn't write or sing or anything like that. So instead of, like, trying to learn that, like, just, just double down on your strengths, find someone that can do that, and sure. you're going to move along way faster. Do you have a message that you want to be aligned with the astronomers? Like, hey, the astronomers put out like kind of this message to the world. Oh well, that's a good question. I let you as the writer. <laughs> say that no one. pressure. <laughs> it's every day, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if there's one thing over over the other. I think we just want to know that if you think you can do something, do it. Yeah. Because. You know, you're told, especially coming from, like, a small town, you look at, you know, all of the hit people in the world that are doing stuff, whether that's Tom Brady, Jason Derulo in music, just whatever it is. <laughs> what a spread. Derulo. Jason yeah. Derulo Tom Brady. <laughs> They're my favorite icons. Dwayne, jo <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Whoever it is, like, these people that are making the biggest impact, it's like, they also just came from this place or that oh, place. Yeah. You know who I love pointing to is Post Malone. Post yeah. Malone was just a dude who like exactly. made music and he actually tried out for other people's bands, got turned down, made White Iverson yeah. and blew up, you know? And There's I don't even, no right way. Yeah, totally. And like, I don't even remember too when White Iverson first came out, but that was, I think it was like 2013, 2015, 12, 15, yeah. yeah. It wasn't taken seriously. You know, like, people liked the song. I was at college parties at the time listening to that song, but nobody was sitting there being like, oh, Post Malone's going to be one of the largest touring people artists. People thought it was a one-hit. Yeah. Totally. And now he's, you know, selling out Alpine Valley already this July, mm -hmm. which is so crazy yeah. to your point that it, it doesn't there, it doesn't look like anything. Like, there's no one-size-fits-all, which is super cool. I think that's a great message. I also noticed your songs from... I guess lyrically I need to read more of it and to really like digest it more, but mm -hmm. they come across like positively, like uplifting when I'm listening to them, which is also refreshing because I have a hard time thinking of a lot of artists who have like truly uplifting music. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just what I listen to. I listen yeah, to a lot Yeah, it's probably because you listen to like death I metal listen to, No, okay, I don't <laughs> only listen to that stuff. But I, I realized from listening to your music how much of the stuff I listen to is like sad boy music, you know? it's It's all like... A sad message or like a deep message in like a negative context but that isn't the case with your music which is pretty cool. I don't cool. think we ever when I'm writing songs I don't ever want to ruin someone's like day. You know what okay, I'm saying? Yeah. But I also don't want to pretend like oh it's the astronomers it's your always happy kids sure. from Wisconsin that are never down on themselves never going through anything in life. Yeah. Cause that oh that would just make me so upset if that's what people think. Sure. <laughs> that we're just perfect people because yeah. we write about stuff that's happy and um, motivating. But I want the keyword like you said, uplifting. That's something that's trying to bring someone up. Right. And that's what we try to do. Okay. So like we try to talk about things that are going to like 
help someone through that something. Yeah. Not every song has to be that. But for the most part, you know, even overthinking, it's one of our very upbeat, you know, happy sounding songs. It's about anxiety. Yeah. I mean, it's about overthinking, which everyone does. And so trying to talk about things that people don't always talk about, but shine light on it more so than like only focus on the good things. Yeah. Well, and it feels like you you walk away from the song with like a you can yes this is happening this is a real thing you're experiencing it can Mm -hmm. be overcome message instead of just this is this negative thing i'm experiencing here's how i feel about it it has in my opinion that extra kick of like here's the overcoming part here's like you're leaving on a high you know which is uh, like refreshing i thought it was great yeah like our our next song that we're releasing is called talk about it Mm -hmm. which is um you know it's very much talking, like trying to make people open up to talk about stuff that's going on in their life, whether that's your friends, your family, your relationships. Like 95% of the time, if you talk about what you're going through or you open up about that thing, you're going to end up better off because the more and more you hold on to things and you don't, you know, let you let them take over you, that's the person you end up becoming. Mm. And so that whole song is um, about that. We, I just finished watching Ted Lasso, the nice. series, which so good. probably my favorite television show of all time. It is incredibly well done. Oh, my gosh. If you, uh, did you watch it as well? Nah, no. Not into it? I don't watch much TV. Okay. We don't so even have a TV in our house. My wife hates that show. I love it. She hates it. Oh, so, wow. I, yeah, I, so I totally, not that you hate it, but yeah. I totally get the, like, I'm just not interested in it. It's either one or the other, though. People are either, like, it's the best show of all time, or yeah. they're, like, man, no interest. Is Ted Lasso, like, funny? or like? Yes, dude, it's everything. You will cry, you will laugh. It's exactly. all of it. It's so good. It's did, not just a, did a you, um <laughs> Totally, yeah. Did you go go on YouTube, if you haven't already, and look up, like, some of the Easter eggs from Season 3? Because there's yeah. so much stuff packed in that, that are, like, callbacks to old things that people just don't even realize. It's genius, Jake. It is like it is one of the best written shows ever. Can't be better than Breaking Bad. It is. Breaking Bad's good. Uh, well, okay, it's different. I mean, Breaking Bad is like a drama, very serious show. Ted yeah, Lasso is like Ted Lasso is uh, like you're gonna become a better person. After yes, watching. you will. Truly, <laughs> go You'll like end up being a better person. The, one of the main characters, Jamie Tart. This guy has like one of the best character arcs I've ever seen in oh a show. Gosh. It's so good. It's, even it's just, even Brett Goldstein, the guy who plays Roy, Roy oh, Kent. Oh yeah, totally. You kind of look like Roy Kent's cousin or something. Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh my god. Can you make yes. a song called Roy Kent's cousin and just make it about yourself, <laughs> dude? It'll I'll pop to, off just because it says he's Roy Kent. He's kind of got some similar mannerisms too. Dude, I'll to, yeah, I'll to like, look up uh, Roy Kent. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 look, I look angry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the guy's just like perpetually angry in the show. <laughs> But uh, what's funny, though, is if you listen to an interview of him in real life, he's, like, the nicest, happiest dude ever. Like, I can't even hear his character's voice when he talks, and then he gets on the show, and he's, like... He's got this stint with uh, Sesame Street. Yeah. It's, like, a a two-and-a-half-minute video where he's on Sesame Street. It's so funny. Oh, it's amazing. It it truly is an awesome show, though. So if anyone has not heard of Ted Lasso yet somehow or listened to it, definitely, or watch it, I mean, definitely do it. Um, I want to, you mentioned relationships. So that's something I did want to dive into. How has this development into a music career affected your relationships with family, friends, you know, love interests, whoever? Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great question. I don't think we've ever been asked that. Um, I and Ben have both um, gotten into relationships with people over the astronomer's course. So I've been 
dating my uh, girlfriend for two years now, and it's been all through the astronomers. So this person has been with me through the ups and then some of the lows, and then it's the roller coaster. Then you kind of <laughs> yeah. then you kind of start to have to balance, you know, your relationship with the amount of time that you're putting into the astronomers. So right. for me, I know how busy this the astronomers is. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of back to what I said, that whole talk about it mindset and just being able to establish that balance that you can have with your not only not necessarily your relationship with, you know, your your love relationships, but like your family, seeing your family, your friends is important. We're so lucky that we're surrounded by so many of our best friends through this whole thing and we we're getting to work with them all the time. But the key that you said, balance, is is establishing what do you need to do to make sure you're not putting an effort in over one thing over the other? Sure. Has there been pushback from people on that? Uh, not really. Pushback not, as in like 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 mean? um. Well, I guess I was looking at it kind of from two perspectives. Like from your family's perspective, there is, hey, mom and dad, I know I went to college, but I'm pursuing a career in music. And then from a friend's perspective, it's, hey, I might not have time to give you, you know as much attention or, or like uh, quality time yeah. together, whatever it is, because I'm doing this thing and I could see a scenario where people like feel left out of it, I guess. From a parent's perspective, exact opposite. Yeah. Like I was going to school for construction management mm. and before I went, my dad's like, you sure you want to do that? You're so creative. Like, I really don't think you're going to like that. <laughs> I told him like, yeah, it's realistic. Like music's just like a hobby, like a fun, like side thing. And like, at the time, I <clears throat> I had my YouTube channel. I had like ten thousand subscribers, so it wasn't like it was like copyright free music. It really wasn't okay. doing much. Was that that um, was music based as well? That content. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that was in right after like going into college. So that was twenty eighteen. Nice. And then uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, construction management is the plan. And then a year of that, hell no! Like I, I just felt like a lone <laughs> wolf at Platteville. Just no one was like really into like music production stuff. Or I. I just had too much fun like FaceTiming him, like working on stuff. Yeah. So made the transfer. And before I did that, when I was talking about like switching schools, my dad was like, oh, you could go to like a music school somewhere if you want, like go to Full Sail in Florida mm -hmm. or somewhere in LA. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a business degree. Like, I don't, I don't need school for music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't go to LA. You know, yeah. I like having you guys local. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. No, that's interesting. That is very fortunate because I think a lot yeah. of people run into um, the opposite. I'm sure mm -hmm. tons of people. I think have... it helps being around here still. Yeah, like we're still oh, local. Yeah. We're by our family, our friends. Do you have any plans of kind of taking off? Maybe going to a bigger city, anything like that? No, we don't have plans. No but plans. like, we're not. We wouldn't rule it out. It would okay. have to be something like where it makes sense. It for makes the whole sense. Crew. Sure. You know, like, if some really if good opportunities if we're financially ready if we're mentally ready physically ready everything like there's so many things this where it's like we're not just gonna be like oh yeah i think it's time to be in la because that's where a lot of these producers and writers and no i mean sure. we can get on a call with them if we really need to or we yeah. fly there we get on meetings every single day with people like we have a daily meeting with our management team and you know, we're we're very much like this is what we're doing. So we're we're ready to do those trips or do those meetings if we need to, but no plans to leave. Cool. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to get into too. Actually, yeah. is is the business side? Um, are you guys with a label right now? Are you planning on joining one? Like the management team, how did that come about? Can you just talk a little bit about yeah. that? So the management started 
in February of 2018, I had my side, pro like my little small YouTube channel, DJ Baker, copyright free music. And my, our current manager, Gabe Herring, who's at Downtown Music, uh, he's based in Portland. Hmm. Uh, he reached out to me when I was in high school because he heard one of my copyright free songs, had a couple thousand views on it. And uh, I got on, on a meeting with him and he's like, after the meeting, he emailed me like a day later. So like, sounds like you have a lot of drive and like really passionate. Like, what do you, what's your plans for music? I, at the time, I said I'm going to school for construction. Like, I'm doing construction, dude. What are you talking but about? Yeah. <laughs> it'll always be like a fun thing. So he kind of he stuck with me and helped me navigate the industry. And then in 2019, I said like I want to bring on like another person to like make this a duo. What do you think? I said yeah, like whatever you think, you know, do it, you know. Um, so he's been there from like the very beginning. Mm. Um, and then in college, our tour manager and our roommate now, uh, Jack Rindall, he heard one of our songs at a party in Oshkosh. And he said to someone, like, what song is this? And they're like, oh, this is the astronomers. They go here. He's like, what? And then. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, he DM'd He's us. like, yeah, that dude at Target that no one will leave alone. Like, and then the he, guy. <laughs> so then he DM'd us in 2020 and asked to do, like, some video. And then he started doing like more and more for us. And then he's like, I'd be your tour manager and just total like self-starter. Like we've never really guided him or like asked him to like, hey, like, can you do this for us? It's always like, we, we're doing this. I want to do this for you. And we're like, cool. Like, you know, awesome. And then we see how valuable he is now. So we're really making sure we, you know, try to treat him right and, and pay him yeah, and keep the team together and really make sure like everyone's Make sure we show our appreciation for the team. No label. Um, we've gotten on many calls over the last year um, of interested parties, but Epitaph, nothing like. really sounds like right right now. Sure. We're, we're doing fine. Um, and honestly, if to anyone listening out there who is in a position or when they get in a position where they start thinking the label route, my advice is to try to stay away as long as you can because think of it as you're you then you're not you're not you're not working for someone yeah else. you work for you're, someone right yeah you're basically you're keeping everything on your side also the label it's not free money it's literally a bank it's literally a bank loan they're gonna yeah they'll give you hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have to recoup on from your percentage so for example do like a hypothetical uh, if you make, if they give you a million dollars and they have 80%, you have 20, you have to recoup that million on your 20%. So you technically have to make 5 million for the label. Mm. So, and that, and then, you know, they have creative control. So, I mean, a lot of times they do. So they're, they're going to be like, oh, for a major label, at least like, we'll get to you when we get to you. Taylor Swift has an album coming out or, you know, whoever else is on their roster. So you, you have the risk of being shelved where it's like they sign you, you have music put you done, aside. But it doesn't get put out. Yeah, yeah, put you aside. Like, we'll get to you like or it doesn't get when we're ready. Yet. Or sure. like they're not going to. No yeah, promotion or whatever. Because you, like, might, you might like overstep somebody else. They're pumping. Like signing to a label is just like one step. And then you're fighting for attention and resources at the label because sure. there's so many other things going on. I think that's really great insight because like, that's the type of stuff that I think a lot of people are going to want to hear that unless if they've experienced it, mm -hmm. they just wouldn't know. I mean, mm -hmm. like that's, I didn't know, for example, that, you know, your cut is being essentially paid back as a yeah. loan <laughs> yeah. until 
I'm sure after that point, then it's you know pure profit from there. But that's a lot of money. Like to your point, you that's know, a lot of money, especially when you're starting out. Ro- totally. So yeah, money. and it's reliant on the fact that they are pushing your content and allowing you to do creative control over what you make. I mean, this was a huge thing with Kesha. I don't know if you have seen anything or heard about that. There's something about but that. But she stopped making music like over a decade because there was disputes with her label, and they shelved everything and i think she ended up winning the court case and now she's independent or has her own label or whatever but that was like why she disappeared she went from everywhere to nowhere because of that so i think that's great advice um is there anybody do you have you i've I've seen you've done some collaborations is there anybody you very specifically wanted like make music with uh i mean i'd love to do a song with quinn 92 Mm. um you never, if you don't recognize that, it'd be Quinn XCII on like socials. But um, he is just like probably like for me writing like that is like the main influence. Sure. Um, and then yeah, obviously AJR would be sweet. Surfaces Ben Blackberry, Jeremy Zucker, Chelsea Cutler. Uh, Blackberry, that'd be an interesting song. Yeah, it'd be. I haven't heard you there. say that one. Oh, I've said it before. <laughs> Blackberry. Yeah. Listen to the show. Let's do a yeah. collab. Let's get it yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, he's great. Um, what about you mentioned touring? Can you talk about the jump from hey, we make music to now we perform music? Because that's a whole nother okay. step too. Yeah. So this, this is where it gets expensive <laughs> because we we see like the royalty checks coming in, and obviously it's you know our our manager gets a piece of it. Who pays we, the best? What who, platform? Uh, Apple Music has the highest rate, but Spotify, we have the most, by far, like the most streams. So oh, Spotify okay. is the biggest. But um, when it comes to like touring, it's like, okay, we're getting these decent size like streaming checks coming in now, and everyone's getting their cuts. So it, it, it gets chipped away. There's still a decent amount left. But then, since we own the company, we have to buy equipment for touring. We have to. You know, we bought a van. We had to take it into the shop, get new tires, get a new alternator for the van, get insurance for the van. I was going to say insurance. Do you have to get insurance for the shows, or is that handled by the venue? I think it's handled by – not oh, yet. Okay. That's venue stuff right now. But then, like, we have to buy massive merch orders, which, I mean, merch, it, the money comes back, you know, eventually. But sometimes these orders are really big, and we don't know when we're going to sell all of it or, like, when we're going to get our money back on that. Um, you just gotta go to Ohio. Go so sell. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, the tour. Like, there's definitely a, a big gap between like streaming artists versus artists that are doing the whole picture, the whole thing. Because I mean, if you if you get in a rhythm that we know, like multiple artists that they don't tour really, they or they don't have much touring experience. Maybe they have plans to tour, but. All they do is they, they just pump out songs and they have a really high following on Spotify and Apple Music and social media and they just live off of streaming. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's cool. But like, if you can get the shows going, that's how you really build an audience and, you know, well, it's a different aspect of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, I mean, yeah. like, that's, I can only imagine, that's what yeah. I do. That's what I yeah. do this for. Sure. I mean, it's growing up, that's all I ever wanted to be was a performer. I didn't care if it was music, I didn't care if it was sports. WWE like I was into anything that had anything related to performing I wanted to be the center of attention and I wanted everyone to look at me and be and in I I wanted to control how they were having a, if they were having a good time mm. and so 
now getting to do that, but getting to hear people like sing these lyrics and melodies that I've created is like the top of the the icing on the cake. Like it's, it's just so cool. Something that I've spent so much time in thinking about and writing on paper that everyone in the room knows it. Yeah. Like if you're, if they're coming to a show, it's usually because they know your music. And so getting to do this and seeing people drive eight hours to come to a show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and sing the lyrics to every song. I mean, has there been, um, has there been a show, like a wow show, like a specific one that really stood out is, you know, not necessarily like a, we made it moment because just based on talking to you guys, you're not close to your pinnacle yet. And I, I, I believe that you guys are not, I shouldn't speak for you. I believe that you are not yet close to no, your pinnacle and that that yeah. huge wow moment is yet to come. But, like, yeah. so far, has there been something that was kind of like, whoa? When we were playing in our – so we went on our first headline tour back in January called the Occasion Tour. Um, and we basically stayed in the Midwest, dipped our toes into the East Coast. Um, but we played in this – it's called the Southgate Revival. It's a hmm. abandoned – not abandoned. It used to be a church, mm. and they've made it into a music venue. So there's this huge stage on the bottom floor, and then there's the stage that's still pretty big um, on the top that we played at. It's in Newport, Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, like across the river Cincinnati. We played there, and we had maybe 80 people show up in this small town in Kentucky. And I just remember going to bed that night and just thinking, wow. Like, we've never been here before in our lives, let alone played a show here. And already this many people are coming and singing the lyrics and liking what we do. That was the moment for me when I was thinking this could be Or the one before that, or like before the boat, was Minneapolis. We almost sold 7th Street Entry out. It was like Prince's venue back in the day. And that was like, I think, 200 people. And that we've never played in Minneapolis before, so that was really eye-opening. Just seeing the amount of people in Minneapolis that were there for our show, um, the rock boat, the cruise ship we played on was crazy. That was kind of like a just wow moment, hanging out <laughs> with bands that we like grew up listening to in middle school. That was actually gonna be one of my next questions: yeah. was interactions with other musicians. Yeah. What's that been like? Anybody that you've met now? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. You can go. Yeah, we. We've been able to talk to some really cool people. Um, the lead singer of American Authors and okay. I chat every once in a while. Um, so best of my, the best day of my life band. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. And he gives some advice on like our songs that we're about to put out. Um, you know, Ben got to um, play roulette with the lead singer of Lit. So my, <laughs> owner, my owner said to me, if you know that um, one. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, even besides the boat, like we've met a lot of really cool people. Yeah, it's um, just the industry big itself producers. allows you to meet like-minded people, which sure. is the coolest uh, part. Well, I would imagine like the kind of higher you go up on the ladder, the smaller the circle gets. So, oh. like at some point, you'll like you will run into a lot of these people, mm-hmm. um, which is just so interesting. And yeah. like to your point earlier, like all of the stories are so different of where they came from, how they got there, yeah. that like that melting pot of yeah. experience must just be like, mm-hmm. it's very it's, cool. It's really cool. Cause like, as we get more and more into it, you can just 
hold a conversation with these people so much easier because you're like, oh, I know this person, I know this person, and like you can kind of connect with them uh, sure. easier. Um, like last week, I I was on a meeting with a big producer that has like credits with Justin Bieber and Marshmello, Demi Lovato, just kind of like asking him about like the producer game out in LA, like how everything works, a lot of the business stuff. And we're just, you know, we're going to just keep talking, getting on FaceTime calls, comparing productions. And uh, it was just really cool to like hear these and other, and many others too, like other big producers that I've met with that it's kind of, it feels like I shouldn't be meeting with them because I didn't go to school for it. I taught myself, but they like what we're doing and they think it's cool. And it, we, we know what we're doing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what matters. At yeah. the end of the day, like music is content. And if people like the content, like, yeah. that's awesome. Um, do you have advice for other aspiring musicians? Well, touching on what we talked about earlier, kind of just, you know, not thinking you have to be at that level right away. Like, TikTok makes it so hard for people, I think, because they see one song blow up from an artist that they're just singing in their bedroom and then they get signed to a label and it's like, well, we're at the top, we're set, I'm making a living. And then you're just thinking like, well, I'm not at that skill level yet. Like, I don't have a great voice maybe or I don't know how to play the guitar. Our advice would be find something that you're good at. Yeah. If you want to make music, find that one thing that Mm. you're good at. I knew that I could perform and I learned how to write music. I knew Ben, and Ben knows that he can produce really well. So he he sat and made him a professional producer. And now if you combine those two things, you've got what makes the songs on the radio. Along with like and getting the right team in place, getting the right, getting, like, yeah. there's well, a lot of strategy behind it. I'm sure it's a slow burn, too. I would imagine the stuff you made four years ago, you probably laugh at compared to yeah. what you're making now oh, as far yeah. as like production quality yeah. and then even writing, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, I also I tend to think that social media, it's such a, it's such a great tool, right? Because you like you guys wouldn't. I don't mean to say you literally wouldn't exist as a group, but like a lot of your success is due to the fact that you're able to pump stuff out on social media, which is awesome. Right. It's also such a poison for people because mm-hmm. to your point, they see this person who writes one song and blows up, or it looks like they wrote one song mm-hmm. and blew up. Because I know um, I cannot remember her name. That artist that does the. Uh, a, B, C, oh, Gail. F, U. Yeah, yeah, I mean, do you know that she was already signed to a label and that yeah. was a fabricated a, yep. story? Yep. Like, she was not some girl who somebody posted a comment on her page the saying... The from Atlanta. Yeah, kind of it, was, it was somebody from her own team who created that social media campaign to pump that song out, which, you know, no disrespect to her as an artist, it's a great song and she's very mm-hmm. successful, but to somebody who's, you know, a 17-year-old kid who wants to make music and sees yeah. that story and is like... If I don't do that, then I'm a failure. It's not really what it seems always, right? There is, like, you can still take that ladder approach. Like, you can take the slow, organic approach. Mm. That's what we did. We have never had one moment that has just been, like, colossal over the others. Like, yeah. we have slowly gained fans that, in my opinion, are going to last much longer than some of these people that get one big song off TikTok because they're up here... And just as quickly, everyone's like, okay, make a song just as good. Otherwise, I'm back down here. Yeah. I'm going to find someone else. Yeah. And kind of to touch on, like, the social media thing, the music ecosystem is so interesting with, like, how it's evolved from, like, you know, you used to, like, let's say before, like, YouTube, before you could, like, really teach yourself or, like, learn how to do production, 
people would go to school for production, you'd get in the studio, labels would find like raw talent and then develop these artists. But now it's like a numbers game with social media, but it also opens up the door to everyone. Like everyone can compete and kind of like level the playing field. And then you think about like back in the day with like hard album sales versus streaming now. Like if we had, you know, 830,000 listeners and we were selling hard copies of albums. Oh yeah, like, that's it's crazy. game over, you know, like we, that's how you really made it. Yeah. But nowadays people are basically like, you're renting all the music in the world right. every day and it leveled the play uh the music playing field totally and it's mm-hmm. i mean pros and cons you know this is kind of out of left field but i just thought of it do you do you think that this move to ai will imp- impact you guys at all like your music or maybe you'll integrate it in some capacity uh I don't know. We're I don't think I'd ever want to integrate anything related to that. I kind of kind of hate that. Yeah. yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys think it's ruined music? Like with well, like. Well, I know, don't think it has yet. The fake um, I don't think it's stuff. big enough for anyone to be like I'm listening to Kid Leroy AI over Kid Leroy. Here's what it's gonna come down to. It's gonna, in my opinion, like AI music is gonna be such a phase. Okay, because who's gonna go out and and watch and go to this show where it's like who's performing this first of all yeah like who's gonna that's the number one thing is you like an artist like drake and you're like i want to go see drake on tour you're not gonna go see ai, AI drake, drake on yeah. tour no I, I think that's a you know that's a I'm fair saying? point i will my one like devil's advocate pushback is while that has not like taken off here there are artists in other places who don't exist like i know in japan specifically there are and this has been not just this year like there are actual like fabricated artists who do performances and the whole thing is not a real person so like it exists what i do think though and, and i think hopefully you guys will agree with this but i think the in the integration or like advancement of ai into music will actually make real real quote unquote live music better because now, like, it's it's an authentic experience to see you actually make music as opposed to something that you know is created in a lab, right? It's like if something is too perfect, it's not as enjoyable because there is no human element. And I think that that human element will become more special than oh, it even is sure. right now. Yeah, I think so. For example, Warner was the first label to sign, like, an AI, like, algorithm sure. that makes, like, these weird, like, soundscapes or whatever. I forgot what they call it. But now there's like all these companies, and this is what our manager deals with at his company as like a, a partnerships VP. Um, there's like a lot of fraud around AI um, where, you know, these companies are, or people are just pumping out tracks and sending them to Spotify and Spotify is like rejecting them because it's like, it's too much or barely, you know, it's, it's fraud. Like it's not, there's a whole conversation around AI right now with the labels and like, how are they, how are they gonna treat the the royalty rate with AI and like how are you gonna like filter it out between like real humans created this music and then this is like an AI category. They're I think they're trying to do some sort of like separation and, and figuring out like mm-hmm. totally. what's the best thing. But as for like music tech, I think AI like tools and like correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is like a form of AI for like splice. We hear like a dope guitar loop. And then on the side, you can filter it more like this, and it'll show you yeah. a ton of different guitars that are similar to that. Is that like 
a form of AI? Uh, or is that just using tags? Yeah, it's just like, uh, I don't know if that's the frequency and similarity. Okay. So it's probably yeah. like a machine learning yeah. function, though. So, like, <clears throat> yeah. adjacent, I would yeah. say. Yeah, no, I, that totally makes sense. I, I think, too, that um, <clears throat> you see this a little bit in other spaces. Like, you talked about it's better to have a smaller fan base that truly cares about your craft than it is to have a large fan base that doesn't. I think there will be more of that. Like, there will certainly be people who don't care. They're like, I just want what I like to listen to, so if Drake AI makes 50 songs, I'll listen to it no matter what. But the people who truly care, like, no, I want the astronomer's music, not in a replication of it, mm-hmm. will be better fans, you know, yeah. who are more likely to buy your music, come see your shows. And I think, like, ultimately you'll benefit from that. I mean, you see this in other industries like uh, cars, for example. I, I, I love cars and motorcycles. Now there's this huge push to EV. The people who are really into the mechanics of how engines operate are never going to move over to EV until they're mm-hmm. absolutely required to. And it has nothing to do with emissions. It has to do with the fact that they are really into the engineering aspect of yeah, how an engine functions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that's ever going to go away right. for music. And, like, that's the part that I think you'll be able to definitely hang your hat on and be like, we still authentically make music. It's even, like, self-driving. There's people that want to actually drive. They like oh, yeah. driving. Oh, yeah. Dudes enjoy the act of driving. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a totally great parallel. Um, the last thing I'll kind of mark on this is – I'm sure you've heard of the concept of an NFT and you've probably heard it through the scope of like stupid Mm -hmm. pictures that people spend a million dollars for on the internet. I think that that technology is going to be likely to integrate into music as well because if you have NFT copies of your songs, meaning that they are verifiably real, it gets rid of that problem with Spotify. Like they can verify that you minted that music and now somebody's paying you directly for it as opposed to like a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that is likely to happen at some point. Especially um, with AI. That might, you know, might yeah, be like a counter you, to AI. Right. Like, how do you verify that you guys actually made it? Well, it was yeah. minted from your address. So, like, right. it, they couldn't have replicated it, which I think is, I know for a fact yeah. there are other ways that that technology is, like, being used for similar things. I think that music is probably one of them. We just haven't seen it yet. Right. Um, on to the future as we look down the line. What what do you want the astronomers to become? Like, what is, what is like success look like for you guys? We get asked this a lot, and our answer is always like, as it's always been as as far as we can take it. So there's no really end goal. It's when when we started it, it's always just been like, how far can we take it? Yeah. Um, well, we just saw a show on Friday, Quinn ninety two in at the Sylvie in Madison, and that's a twenty five hundred cap room. And just to be able to say that we can go on a headline tour of sizes like that room across the U.S., sell them out, and get that many people on board. And and, and I think we haven't hit the amount of people yet that we want Mm. to be on board with us. Like, we want want to keep growing that number, see more and more people at shows. And, um, you know, I'm not saying we have to be selling out AmFam Field, but just we want that that true homegrown Wisconsin, like, intimate setting that we can always count on people to come to a 2,000-cap room and sell it out and just know our music. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. I will clip that and save it for the day that you do sell out AmFam. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'll make sure it's on the screen. Um, No, but in all seriousness, guys, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. It was super enlightening. I, I don't get the opportunity to talk to, like, rising musicians like this very frequently. Um, so I will be sure to share 
all of your information, where people can find your music and everything. And uh, looking forward to seeing the future, guys. Seriously, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, for thanks for having us. Everything costs something. This is Opportunity Cost.